0: Chemical City Double Reads is a full-service double reed shop specializing in the sale of instruments, cane, accessories, and sheet music. Double Reed Dish listeners can enjoy free shipping with code DRDISH. Visit them in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or online at www.ChemicalCityReads.com. ACDC Reads is a one-woman bassoon
1: reed shop in Minnesota run by Ariel Detweiler producing over 1,200 reeds per year. Selling beginner and advanced level bassoon reeds, ACDC Reeds are hailed by customers for their even intonation, ease of response in all registers, warm tone quality, and strong low register. Every reed is made from tube cane processed in-house to Ariel's specifications using Rigotti or Lavaro cane and a Rieger 1A shape. You'll also find bassoon-themed gifts in the shop, including greeting cards, stickers, artistic prints, and the ever-popular Blackwing Bassoon Pencil. Make sure to follow ACDC Reads on Instagram, where Ariel posts artistic photos and educational stories about her everyday experiences with readmaking. ACDC Reads is proud to sponsor Double Read Dish, sharing positive and uplifting interviews to inspire and connect the bassoon community around the world. Find ACDC Reads at acdcreads.com or at retailers like Chemical City Double Reads, Midwest Musical Imports, or Reed Supplies Canada. Try out ACDC Reads today and let the reed do the work. Hi, I'm Galit Kaunitz. And I'm Jackie Wilson. And you're listening to Double
0: Reed Dish, a podcast for oboists, bassoonists, and the people who love them. Halloween
1: season, Jeff.
0: It's October officially. Oh my god. It's the best time of year. You know what? Christmas, I'm not about it. Halloween, I'm into it. I love it.
1: Well, since you are Jewish, I think it's okay that you're not about Christmas. I don't know if that's gonna like shock anybody.
0: (laughs) Hot take, not into Christmas. Well, this is the best time of year, and we are ready. To announce our fourth annual double reed dish Halloween redecorating contest. Jackie, this has been my favorite project of ours. Every year, every time it comes up, it is the most epic. Every year, it gets better. It gets mm-hmm. kookier. It gets scarier. I cannot wait. I cannot wait.
1: Absolutely. Yes. It. This is like, I agree. My favorite project that we do. And you know what's funny is I think this is when we have the eyes of the non-double-read world the most. Because I have non-double-read colleagues who talk to me about like, oh my gosh, I saw this entry. I saw that entry. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. The this, the that. (laughs) And uh, this year the prizes are bigger And better than ever before. So, but let's start off. How are you going to win the prizes? The rules. The main part of each entry has to be an oboe or a bassoon reed. So it has to be the focus point. Your decorations should be Halloween inspired. You can draw, you can paint, you can put objects on the reed. We have had animation, um, backdrops, you know, elaborate dioramas and uh we've
0: had like things in motion
1: yes if you want an idea of how hard people go go on our instagram and scroll back through old entries and you will see that people bring it uh every entry must have a title don't forget that we will email you and be like what's your title you have to have a title and uh be creative but keep it tasteful you know keep it tasteful appropriate for all ages here And then you just (laughs) take a picture of it. You email it to us at dish at gmail.com on or before October 15th. And the voting begins on the 16th. It's the most wonderful time of the year.
0: (laughs) And then we will announce, did you say this already? We will announce the winners on Halloween. Uh, uh, Winners are announced on Halloween proper. And you have a chance to win. That's right. I left
1: out the most important part, the prizes. Okay. So we have four total winners. Popular Vote Oboe, Popular Vote Bassoon, Podcast Choice Oboe, and Podcast Choice Bassoon. So we retain a little bit of control. Oh, I mean, we have
0: to have some joy. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Our amazing sponsors, Barton Kane, Chemical City Reads, ACDC Reads, and Oboe Chicago have all donated to these prizes. Each winner is going to receive a fifty dollar gift card to Chemical City Reads, a fifty dollar gift card to Barton Kane, a Blackwing Bassoon Pencil slash Greeting Card Bundle from ACDC Reads, and our Oboe Popular Vote is going to receive an Oboe Reed Drying Rack from Oboe Chicago. We've seen pictures; it's beautiful, mm. or a T-shirt from the Double Reed Dish Merch Store. So these are the biggest prizes we've ever had. It is going to be epic. And listen...
1: I have students, they're always, I don't have money for cane. I don't have money for supplies. And it is expensive. I would never invalidate that it is expensive. You know what is not expensive? Taking an old crappy read that is currently in your case, having some fun. And by the way, I should say we allow group entries too. We have had studios enter together. We've had friends and collaborators enter together. And uh, yeah, it does not cost anything to enter this contest. We all have no shortage of crappy reads so just decorate some have some fun send it on over
0: and you never know what's gonna happen come on now (laughs) okay so in honor of our Halloween season starting we decided that we would ask the listeners about their favorite scary pieces for double reads and we got some good responses
1: well, for what's your scariest? Because this could be taken in in more than one way, and listeners took it in different ways, right? Like, what's the scariest piece you have ever had to execute? Because it's terrifying to do so. And then what literal scary pieces?
0: So either direction. <laughs> what what's your response? Colleen? I have a I have a funny slash embarrassing story about this. I think I've told it on the podcast before, so this might be a new one. Last season, I got to play second oboe in. Uh, New World Symphony by Dvorak, and we all know that Dvorak's second oboe parts are scary, mm-hmm. <laughs> low and soft. So we were getting to a part where it was going to be low and soft, and I was like, "Okay, Galit, you're going to do it. You're going to play real soft." And I start playing, and I'm like, "Dang, girl, you're playing so soft. It's so soft." I was like patting myself on the back while I'm playing. So the conductor stops everyone and in front of the whole orchestra, he goes, Um, oboe, did you bring your English horn? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he was like, well, you know, I'm just wondering if, uh, if you played that part on English horn, would it be softer? And I was like, what? And he was like, I don't know. I'm just kicking some ideas around. I, it just needs to be soft. Not softer, Jackie. Soft,
1: soft. Period. Listen, it's low oboe. You get what you get, and you don't get upset.
0: And I was like, "Time of death, (laughs) seven thirteen p.m." (laughs) (laughs) So my answer is, and will forever be, second oboe parts in Dvořák symphonies, fair, and concertos. Um, but I'm also a real sucker for a jump scare, so like hide and surprise symphony gets me every time.
1: Or Firebird Infernal Dance? Yes, every time. Oh I jump god. every time. So funny. So funny to play it and like watch the audience. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what about you?
1: Uh mine will always be the Berio Sequenza. Oh god, yes. A young woman began on a journey that she did not know what lied
0: ahead. You were little red riding hood walking into
1: those woods. Honestly. And I thought I was at grandma's house playing a unaccompanied modern masterpiece. And it was a wolf. It was a wolf dressed up as Luciano Berrio. Uh, yeah, I am proud that I pulled it off literally the scariest thing I've ever had to do. It's so long. You have to circular breathe the entire time. It's technically extremely difficult. You have to learn a million new fingerings. And because you have to circular breathe for such a long time, I literally had to do the equivalent of altitude training where I got my brain, like I would be like, okay, I will, regardless of how long I can circular breathe. Like if I could start off doing it for that long, you actually can't because your brain is not new- used to it and you can faint. So it's like, okay, I have to circular breathe for a half page and get used to that. And then for a page, for page and a half, two pages, and you would get splitting headaches afterward because of the oxygen deprivation. Yeah, it's like,
0: exactly like altitude. Yes, like exactly. Yeah. yeah,
1: poisoning. Yeah, <laughs> not training, poisoning. Uh. So yes, yeah, it's one of those things I look back and I'm like, hmm I should feel proud I primarily have post-traumatic stress and I will (laughs) never play it again and because I wrote an article about the process co-wrote an article Christian Schillinger about the process of learning it I will have young musicians reach out to me and be like you know do you have advice do you have this do you have that I have a lot of advice I have a lot
0: of advice don't
1: (laughs) don't so I don't know maybe someone's listening going you're belly aching but you know what (laughs) Again, it's my podcast. (laughs) What do our listeners
0: say? Oh, so much. Okay. Chris says this full orchestra piece in undergrad, it was a student composition that was completely composed from a 12 tone row of quarter tones, complete with 30 second notes. I was playing English born and I have no memory of how I actually survived that experience.
1: That does sound pretty scary. <laughs> 12 tone of quarter tones. So that's a missed opportunity because they could have done a 24 note row. Is that it? A- Cuz quarter tones divides the octave into 24 okay. parts. I don't. 12. It's fine. It was just a little <laughs> modern music joke. Yes, Chris, that sounds absolutely <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> <sighs> Dylan says, Dylan agrees with you. Any triple P low B naturals ever. Hashtag Tchaikovsky. So Dylan's a bassoonist, but still double read soft playing. Like, what do you want? We're not the clarinet. Thank you.
0: If you play the clarinet, get out of here. Just kidding. Stop
1: listening. Just, Turn it off. The worst is when like you have to do something quiet with them or after and then they them come or in leaning. So into them. soft. It's like you're just showing off. Stop it. Tell tell you what, give me a true secco staccato and then I'll be impressed, you clarinets.
0: (laughs) Marina says, Godzilla eats Las Vegas for wind band. We even had to scream. I love that. I don't know this piece. I need to find it.
1: I just scream even when not prompted by composers.
0: So (laughs) is that how you start your day with a coffee and a scream?
1: Well, you know what is interesting? I wrote my dissertation about the Goodbye to Lena Concerto for Bassoon and Low Strings. And in the fourth movement of that piece, she has this figure that says scream. And I studied every existing recording of it. And some people interpret that as like the bassoons trying to scream, some sort of like bellowing thing, maybe a pitch bend, multiphonic. Lots of people interpret it different ways. But one recording actually interprets it as a human scream yes and so it's like this cadenza and then all of a sudden it's Ah! and on that note happy october (laughs) thank you and good night Specializing in the finest assortment of oboes, clarinets, bassoons, and their accessories, RDG Woodwinds serves musicians around the world. Their employees are all professional musicians who have a deep knowledge of the products that they sell rdg's repair shop has an international reputation with a combined 100 plus years of service among the five repair technicians plain and simple rdg provides excellent products and fabulous customer service visit them at rdgwoodwinds.com they look forward to working with you
0: consider buying your processed oboe and bassoon cane from those friendly folks over at barton cane Processed with care and precision for your everyday reed making needs. Take the pain and injury out of reed making by letting Barton Kane do the hard, repetitive, boring stuff. Free up time for practicing, happy hours, hikes, baking, and spending time with friends and family. Barton Kane here for you. Visit www.bartonkane.com. are so happy to welcome to Double Reed Dish, Leila Zamora, third bassoon and contrabassoon of the San Diego Symphony. Welcome, Layla. Thank you, thank you for having me. I love to start by asking our guests how they started playing their instruments. So
2: how did you start playing the bassoon? Well, I went to a, a magnet school, uh, high school, or middle school and high school. And actually the cool thing was to play an instrument. You are cool if you play an instrument, which is very unusual in our high schools or mm-hmm. school. So, and um, I had a crush on a oboist, so that helped a lot, and also that helped me decide what I wanted to play. So, I joined um, the band in the orchestra in the high school, mm-hmm. and then I um, auditioned for the youth symphony, where. All the people from my magnet school were playing in the Youth Symphony, which is a conservatory, what you will call now El Sistema, you know, but in Mm. Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. So I, I started bassoon there.
1: How did you come to decide that it was something you wanted to pursue professionally? Can we hear about getting serious on the bassoon?
2: Yeah, I mean, I played for one year, and then I graduated really young from high school. I graduated at 15. Wow. So I started at three at three at elementary school, so I graduated at 15 years wow. old. Wow. So I asked my parents, um, since I was a year ahead or two years ahead, that if I could spend a whole year just taking private lessons because I was thinking that that might be something I wanted to pursue. And um so and they say yeah. And I said I, I just need a rest from school. I just wanna see if I can do this. And that's what I did. So and because I started a little late, I started at fourteen, then I knew if I didn't just focus on one whole year to try to make up, I I wouldn't make it. And and they were very nice and supportive. So Yep, that's how it happened.
0: (laughs) Can you talk us through what happened next in terms of your training and educational journey?
2: Yeah, after that, I joined, well, after that year, um, I joined a paid youth symphony in Colombia. They hired me as one of the bassoonists, and I I played there in the um, Youth Symphony, National Youth Symphony of Colombia. and. and meanwhile i was trying to apply for schools and i have heard of this bassoonist valery popov in russia and fantastic player and so i thought maybe the russian school was an option and i apply and applied to it and i i got a full scholarship so from colombia i left to to russia and i studied in the conservatory in the Chekhovs conservatory for two years um, with um teacher, um, his name is uh, Roman Pavlovich Teriohin, and fantastic teacher, yeah. And then after that, I had to come back to my country to receive treatment because I was diagnosed um, with cancer, breast cancer, wow. at um, 17. So I just had to come back um, to get the treatment uh, but I still kept playing and practicing. So after the treatment, um, I got into the National Symphony in Costa Rica and I played with them for three years. After that, the opportunity presented that I could finish my bachelor's at Baylor University. And my teacher in Russia had died, so I just didn't want to come back because I really like him. Okay. And so, I finished my education my undergrad at Baylor University with Jennifer Speck who was also a very doting teacher devoted wonderful just what I needed you know and she she had a very structured type of teaching and I I needed that I needed it, so
1: Layla, your story is incredible already. I, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have several follow
1: up questions. I but I guess the first, as I listened, the thing that came to my mind was um, how much you traveled at such a young age. First, Colombia, and then mm-hmm. Russia, and the yeah. United States, and. I, you know, travel internationally on vacation and sometimes get overwhelmed and you are so young. And I I just wonder if you could tell us a bit about those experiences, the culture shock and like, you know, if we have people listening who are considering becoming international students or who are maybe intimidated by pursuing opportunities in other parts of the world, like what advice would your experience give them?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm I think um well, I had an advantage because my father worked as an accountant for an airline. Um so so he always instilled us, you know, to travel. Travel is good. Travel opens your mind, you know. Like he was just totally um encouraging, but um and so when I went to Colombia, it was very familiar because we have been there many, many times. So But when I went to Russia, you know, the thing I found out is that there is always somebody who will help you.
1: Mm.
2: And if you have, if you ask for help, and it was a total um, cultural shock. And of course I didn't speak the language, but they have, they have you immediately in language school. They put you immediately in language school and your bassoon lessons. That's how they Mm. start they you just take bassoon lessons and go to language school. And after a while, then you can um, go to the conservatory and take the other classes and maybe piano or harmony. But the way that they do like harmony and the theory classes is very uh, with a piano. So you actually don't need to talk a lot because as long as you know, Doremi si do, that's all you need to know. And so and with the bassoon lessons, it was just very um, natural. Like I understood by example, my teacher play again and Italian, lots of Italian, progresso, non tanto. And you know, like all kinds <laughs> of um, words, funny words that he invented, but I, I understood that you know, after a while, because you're so young, you start understanding the language, you you learn the language very fast. Mm -hmm. Um, I cannot say I speak Russian now, but I I can understand, I can read, Mm -hmm. you know, but I I don't, I don't speak very well (laughs) at all. But um, I can read Cyrillic and it it was very interesting. And it was in, in it was still a communist country it was before the perestroika so so it was very interesting uh, foreign people were treated really well and with mm-hmm. a lot of care mm-hmm. i had two surgeries there because of the diagnosis that's how i discovered it and i just felt something in my breast and and i'm like i'm going to a doctor and they're like do you need to do a surgery right now so i had a surgery in russia and they were like fantastic and very careful and i because I was still a minor, so they treat me really well. So I I, I don't know if it was luck, but I, I feel like if you go with the right attitude and don't expect a lot, <laughs> then you will, you will have more than what you expect.
1: <laughs> well, it just struck me, I guess, relevant to the bassoon, but it, like, To face breast cancer at such a young age and to have it interrupt your study and to just have to, you know, consider such a significant diagnosis at such a young age, um, it seems like that uh, demonstrates an incredible amount of resilience that uh, ultimately you were able to, you know, continue and um, go on to pursue your path. And I don't know if that, if you want to talk any more about that experience or if it gave you any particular perspective going through something like that, period, but also, you know, so young.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think my motto in life has been survival of the species. I I always say to myself, survival, survival. I go into survival mode right now. Um, if I cannot sleep well and I wake up and I have a ton of things, very important things, I'm like, survive the day, you know, like mm-hmm. always. Um, so I I had the same attitude and I I wanted to play bassoon so badly. Like I that was not my fir- bassoon was not my first choice. I thought maybe harp or trombone, but they were like, oh, you are too little. You cannot reach all the strings. And then I had braces. And so I, um, so then they say, but there is a, there are openings in the bassoon studio. And um, William Dietz was the teacher in Costa Rica. He went oh. with the corps, with the peace corps. Uh, so he was my first teacher. Wow. So, yeah, so it was fantastic. And. I loved it so much and I, I wanted to play it so much that even when I was like recovering and I had like a session of chemotherapy and I didn't feel I mean playing bassoon was like the escape of mm-hmm. thinking about the disease and I, I actually I can say I don't remember but I, I don't think that I ever thought that I I mean negative thoughts were not a a possibility like i just always thought i'm gonna get through this and and i did i mean i i've had like in close encounters throughout my life with with cancer but so far so good and you know i'm just gonna take advantage now that i'm healthy and until i'm not buddy for now you know <laughs> i better enjoy life because you know i want to live <laughs> i always yeah. say i want to live
0: mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: That's an incredible attitude and mindset. And yeah. the fact that you were able to cultivate that so young is pretty remarkable.
2: Yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I guess my father had something to do with it. You know, he's he was like, well, it looks impossible, but, you know, let's try to do it. You know, we will we'll travel to the United States and we didn't speak any English. And he will be like, you know. I don't know how he did it, but so I thought I could do it also, I guess, by example, you know. But. It's also a really hopeful attitude and mm-hmm. a really positive attitude. Um, well, I mean, that's all you have to continue, right? You don't mm-hmm. want to give up. That's, you, you don't want to give up and try not to think of the of the negative or the possibilities of not working out. I mean, at least give it a try. So you're like, okay, i try.
0: So um, walk us through uh, your career after Baylor. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, after Baylor, I um, auditioned for um, Rise, and I got in. But I had a boyfriend. And I don't know if you want to include this in my, but I had a boyfriend, and he is like, I'm going to Chicago, and you know, if you want to pursue this relationship, we have to go to Chicago together. So um, I told Ben Caymans, "Bye bye," and he's like, "No, you're
0: doing, no,
2: you regret it." And and but you know, I ended up studying with um, at the Paul University with Bruce Granger, um, who was the assistant in the Chicago Symphony. Mm-hmm fantastic player. And I learned so much from him. In um, only one year because he got AIDS and died very and but also after my first year, I got my first job. And um, so I didn't finish my master's in the pole. I got the Memphis Symphony principal bassoon. And it was a very uh, big shoe to fill. Because in that orchestra, the previous bassoonists had been uh, John Clauser, mm-hmm. who is now Cleveland principal, Danny Matsakawa, who is principal in Philadelphia, and the latest was uh, Sue Heinemann, who is now principal in National. So I I couldn't believe I got the job. And I, could, I was then after that, I bet okay, I have to work really hard to try to make, you know, to try to at least, be decent. And, you know, so I got my first job in between the two, the master's degree. and So then I transferred all the credits to Memphis State just to finish my master's have a master's degree. Mm -hmm. And um, I play the Memphis symphony for 10 years. And my husband, I met my husband, there who was the principal viola and uh, we got married and had great 10 years in the memphis symphony play all the repertoire that you could wish for um multiple times and um, i was very happy but i always loved the contrabassoon so i told my husband that maybe i was thinking of taking um, taking up the contrabassoon and retiring, you know, in another job. Little did I know that that indomitable beast that was the contrabassoon, you know, it's like it's another another thing on its own. But um, I decided to start taking auditions in contra, and um, I was always in the finals. But I didn't. So I tried to play for people. And, you know, and a lot of people, if you ask for help, they will help you. Uh, So I had people like Juan de Gomar, who is in a fantastic contribution player. And he, Juan de Gomar, Mark Romatz also was fantastic. And and Roger Soren were Fantastic people who helped me a lot about the contra because I didn't even know how to hold a contrabassoon. And so I started um, to take auditions and finally I got um, San Diego Symphony. And I feel like it took me like a good, you know, seven to 10 years to be like totally comfortable on the contrabassoon because it was just learning another instrument on its own. And I thought I was retiring, but no. Okay.
0: <laughs> Wait. So it seems pretty unusual for somebody to be a principal bassoonist and then
2: go to contrabassoon. Is that just an ignorant oboist talking? No, no. It's it's the show. Everybody wants to be a principal bassoon, <clears throat> but I am more of a team player. I feel like I'm more of a follower. Okay. Like I am more. I um and also I I was like well I'm just thinking about my future would I be able to handle you know but I have had opportunities like lately like maybe 2 years ago I was very like in very close to to be in Atlanta as an assistant principal and um, But I just realized that I love playing my position, Uh, third bassoon. I think I specialize in third bassoon excerpts now. I'm like the specialist. I love low bassoon very much. And I don't know, I I feel like I'm happier. And I I love the moments where I just sit and I don't have like Beethoven five. It's only contrabassoon in the last movement and I just sit for three moments. I consider myself the luckiest person. I have the best seat in the in the house, just listening for three moments and my amazing colleagues. So, I mean, for me, life is good. I could die at that moment. Let's put it that way. So I really love playing low bassoon. Um, I have to practice a lot because I'm not super talented or that talented and so I am a practicer um so I have to practice always and keep 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 informed
1: can we hear a little bit more about the process of pursuing the contrabassoon in terms of orchestral auditions um orchestral auditions are a topic that our listeners really like to hear about Anyway, but I'm always so fascinated by contra auditions because it feels like you have to show mastery of two very different things in really short succession. And while I'm not a contra specialist or even really a contra player at all, I have heard multiple people say that the key to success in contra positions is being an excellent tenor bassoon player because a lot, a lot of times people will neglect. That part, and um, so anyway, I, yeah, I guess I'd just be experience uh, uh, interested in hearing your experience in preparation, like dividing your time. Although you were, had already been principal for a decade, so maybe you know you, you had that really solid foundation, and um, yeah, what did that preparation look like?
2: Yeah, you're totally correct. You, you need to be proficient in the zone, there is no if you're not proficient in bassoon, if you cannot play Marieto Figaro then in bassoon, then you don't take the contra-audition because they are gonna ask you for Marieto Figaro. <laughs> and and, and um, yes, I, I, I was proficient, proficient in bassoon, but uh, I still had to practice because uh, taking an audition, you have to get the audition mojo. Into the audition mode, okay? It's not just like okay, I'm gonna take an audition, you know. Even though you can play the excerpts, and, no, um, it's a state of mind. It's it's life consuming. I mean, your life is totally has to be devoted to that, and in a way, you have to make yourself fall in love with what you're practicing. Because if you're like, I have to play this again, this excerpt, no, it's not gonna work i i for a for a while i I hated the mozart like one for a while and then when I was just starting to take the audition, I loved the mozart. I would like the mozart because it was like the you know i I'm not gonna say the word but it's just like the best thing ever and and then the excerpts you have to take them as you have to consider them as songs little songs that you're playing and for instance um the Brahms, um the Brahms uh, violin concerto Mm -hmm. you know the oboe has the the solo and you're just filling in but you have to make a melody like like you're playing a counterpoint or something like that you cannot just be like you know like just playing the the notes and you have to make everything music convert everything in music and um, yeah you have to practice and you have to divide your time into the two instruments and um, playing contra is very tiring for the embouchure, so I would practice first bassoon um, like right now I'm preparing for a festival and I it's a very difficult music it's 20 pieces and they are all new music so and very challenging, very 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 challenging music. So I'm I'm dividing the bassoon first and then the contra at the end, but um, I you have to practice equally. So for auditions, they are gonna ask you a lot of bassoon, and you have to be able to produce. And they are they are gonna ask you Maria, to figure out many times. Mm -hmm. and you have to be able to nail it every time. So you have to practice that, playing it many times and try to nail it as much as you can. And there are periods where I just play really slow just to figure out the fingerings, and there are periods where I just perform. And then there are periods where I just plastic, uh, uh, practice stamina, Mm -hmm. where you just go through the whole list. Because in the San Diego Symphony, for instance, in my audition and all the auditions that I have been a panel, you know, in the panel, um they have at the end for the finals they ask for the whole list, forty five <laughs> minutes, forty five wow. minutes of playing non stop. Any audition I've been in the bass audition, I've been in a percussion audition where they ask all the instruments, all the excerpts. So this might be like an hour of playing, and for every candidate and that you have to have the, the mind. So so it, it's it takes, I mean, preparation is mental and physical and you cannot be distracted. You mm-hmm. have to, and you have to love, you have to make yourself love this and make it. So how do you love it? Make it into music, musical little excerpts you know, what's the music in this excerpt. So it's a little melodies, little melodies that you play for people.
0: Can you tell us about um, your day of winning the San
2: Diego Symphony audition? Okay, so uh, we, so this is a great lesson, never give up. Okay, so so I know. I mean, you can make little mistakes, but it's like Michael Jordan says: if you miss one, just don't think about it. Don't dwell. You know, be, keep keep trying because they know they know your product and they know that you're good. So you you can make little mistakes, but um, they have to be cracks or you know not major mistakes. So. So the day of the audition, I played the preliminary, and, uh, well, for San Diego Symphony, I had taken an audition three months before. I was in the finals with another person and they didn't give the job to anybody. Mm. So three months later, they opened it again and my colleagues were like, well, they already saw you and they didn't like you. And I'm like, mm, I'm going to go. I feel like I have to go again. And and you know I was in good shape, so in the good shape, so I just prepare more, even more, and try to remember what I didn't do well or why wouldn't let like it. You know, recorded myself a lot because you're the, your best teacher, <clears throat> and it's horrible because it's hor- recording yourself is horrible. <laughs> you're like, oh my god, the sound, oh my god, this and nothing sounds good, but <clears throat> but you will improve little by little. <clears throat> so. I went the second time and I uh, played the preliminar and then I passed to the second the second round and I was playing and I missed a note I just the note didn't come and I just thought it was an important note so I'm like okay that's it I'm leaving I left the hall I packed my things I left the hall luckily I was staying in a hotel across the street. I packed my contra, I called the airline and then when I had a, and changed my flight, I had the contra packed because I packed it on another box and then I got a call and they say, "Layla, we're waiting for you for the finals. Where are you?" <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> And I called the airline, and I begged, you know, and I, then I rush. But the good thing is, I was across the street. If I had taken an Uber to a hotel, I they were I didn't know I had passed because I didn't I didn't think I thought that note was really important, and I missed it. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's what Michael Jordan says. He says like, the product. They are looking at the the whole product, mm-hmm. and if you miss a note. It's not. And play, being in a panel, now I realize that, yeah, that's true. Like sometimes they have like little cracks and, you know, we just had the horn audition and, you know, horn, you know, they crack. and But it didn't deter from like being a fantastic player, like the guy who, who got the job, you know, even though maybe he had like a little here and there. But, you know, so anyway, so went to I went to the to take the finals, but I didn't have at that point that I was just so elated. And I feel like I was just like, I'm just gonna go for it. And, you know, we had to we had a rehearsal with the pianist to play the Mozart concerto. And I was just so happy that I had a piano and we were playing the Mozart concerto with a piano. So I just came and I was like, smiling. And I was like, so happy to be there and surprised at the same time. I didn't have time to, like, really get nervous. And and then I play the Mozart concerto and then all the excerpts and I crack one note and they all laugh and they ask uh, that, at that point, the curtain was down. It's no more. We we have curtain until the very end. But at that point, the curtain was up and they all laugh because I cracked the last note of of the Ravel. Uh, And they asked me, Would you like to play that again? Now, when they ask you that, make sure you nail it. Because, (laughs) you know, so yeah, I went went and played it and everything was fine. And then they came and gave me the news and and I left. I was so happy. I like, Thank you, thank you. I left. And then again, they they called, Layla, you didn't tell us if you were going to take the job. But I was, it just was an an amazing thing. And I was, it was one of the happiest days of my life. And just moving to a new place. And I like, I really like California. So, I mean, but I love Memphis. So, but I knew I wanted to do something different, (laughs) different projects. And, and so i've been really happy uh, i think i'm gonna stay here uh, some people they want to keep going and i i just have everything i like here my husband plays in the orchestra and sometimes he has contracts sometimes he plays as a freelancer so so i i am very content with being here mm-hmm. Do
1: you have any, you, you gave several wonderful pieces of advice in that last answer, but having served on many audition panels, are there any other insights that you've gained? It's kind of like in higher ed, you yeah. know, a search committee, you learn like, mm-hmm. oh, I wish I could apply again. Having served on all these search committees, yeah. do you have any other insights to offer?
2: Actually, I do. You know, it's so funny. Um, we had the percussion audition 124 people showed up and they had to play all the instruments. So each candidate was like 40 minutes. We had to listen for four days, something for the preliminars only. Wow. But, <clears throat> but, you know, it's simple. Just my advice is play what's on the page. Play what's on the page. And if you play what's on the page and follow everything that each measure says, you are ahead by 10% already. It's amazing. Like, we had a percussion playing, that, uh, a percussionist playing uh, Lieutenant Kije, mm-hmm. and they have something like really simple, 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 something like that. And none of them did what's on the page. Like, well, I mean, the one who won, you know. Probably 10 of 124 percussionists. And that has been the lesson and has been the the thing that I have noticed the more. People don't pay what's on the page. Mm-hmm. So and and I had I had written something else and one thing another thing is um don't let don't let um yourself getting to yourself. Don't let those little gnomes or cockroaches or little voices in your mind get in your head. And somebody says something really, a little girl says something really funny. It says tell the negative committee inside your head to sit down and at <laughs> okay? So remember that. I always say tell the negative committee in your head to sit down and sip it up okay <laughs> for the moment of your audition because those little voices I was talking to a psychiatrist actually he works with serial killers but he he said that those little voices which I asked him you know do you have gnomes do you know like the gnomes I call them the I call them the gnomes um, <laughs> they are they are always sitting in here and they're like you're gonna make a mistake you're gonna make mistake. And you're like he said they are very good for your improve for improving they are like your they keep you in check with like getting better, but there are points that you have to tell them to you have to silence them. Mm-hmm. So I basically you can leave them in a corner. I left them in a corner of the hall. I said I'll come and pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that. I did, verbally he he told me that that psychiatrist who. Worked with serial Killers. He was my host for a for a um, a festival that I did, and he said, "Just leave them somewhere and then do do what you have to do, and then come and pick them up because they are important in your life. They are like self checks, you know." And mm. and he and I did that. I, I left them in a in a sign, a stop sign, and I said, "Stay here." I'm gonna take my finals and <laughs> <laughs> and I think it helped just <laughs> going through mentally to that. But you you need to silence them and and silence yourself and stop self-criticizing at that moment. Just and and also put the work. If you do the work, uh, if you do the work, then you say I did the work and I deserve. You know, you just have to. Tell yourself little things and 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 i i i I go through this all the time because I get really nervous I still get really nervous of performing mm-hmm. and so i I have to have to tell me different things at different times just to go through stuff, but yeah, basically on the uh, play what's on the page and then put the work. And then, um, silence your little gnomes. I love that. Did he tell you which serial killers? <laughs> yeah, no, it's he, he. They live in Oregon, and they just work with serial killers. Is you know, it's a, a skill on their own because they say they are very cunning and very smart, and so that was very interesting to have them wow. um, as a host in a festival Music and then my, you all sorts of host, places. my <laughs> other hosts in in the other festival that i did breed they were forensic pathologists so oh. you guys, I know it's amazing <laughs> amazing the things that you hear you know
0: would you because uh, before we started recording uh you had mentioned that you do a little bit of teaching um, but that you have a very unique
2: studio. So would you be yeah. willing
0: to talk to us about your private studio?
2: Yeah, um, I don't I don't like to teach a lot because like I told you, I'm a practicer. Yeah. I have to practice a lot. I have to practice bassoon and I have to practice contra. So um, I don't have a lot of talent, so I have to really keep my playing. So I cannot afford to take a lot of students. And um, so basically, my my the amount of students that I have is like five, five the most. And, and I like to take interest in students. Sometimes I, I don't take like really young like kids, because they don't practice and it's just frustrating and you know, the little brats. <laughs> I don't know if you can say that, <laughs> but anyway, so, so I've taken, I have a student who has dementia, maybe that's not the diagnosis, but he's losing his, his, man. and the doctor, the neurologist told him as long as he plays bassoon, and I have to work with him very patiently, like he would not remember to repeat six bars. But it's very interesting because he remembers some things, and he has selective memory, uh, so it's it's very fascinating. I also have another student who is the head, um, the CEO of a, um, a of a corporation that developed a drug that you can put in a patient who had a heart attack, and um, so he he's very and, and he did study with Hersberg. Um, when he was very young, so he's take, he's very into the bassoon, and he he actually just went to McQuigley. He was there, and he's just very fascinating to teach this person because of the way that um, the lessons go. And I have to have a lot of patience with older people, but I find it fascinating. And um, I have a, one one kid that crosses the border. And I don't charge this kid because um I don't think maybe a kid can afford it but so I barter because it's important for them to see the value in things. So I want him to I want him to bring me something for the lesson, you know. So sometimes I get a bag of beans, sometimes I get a carafe, sometimes I get you know a little souvenir i i don't care what this person brings me and really it's not i'm I'm not looking to get anything but i want them to know that somebody's teaching them and it's their time and there is a value in me teaching this person Mm -hmm. so and then i have two high schools and they are they are great players they are great little players they play in the youth symphonies here but basically that's that's the studio but I like to take interest in people that's basically my I like to work with um, I like to work with kids that don't have everything Mm -hmm. so I've gone to Indonesia and work with a youth symphony started brand new youth symphony where the kids took boats and buses and walk for 8 hours to take the audition for the symphony mm-hmm. and we also did another project in Africa in Tanzania in Kenya and Tanzania with the kids of the safaricom youth symphony and these kids they they walk they start walking like at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. so when they get to the place they get fed and then they have a rehearsal and then they have a nap time because they woke up at two o'clock and then, then they have lessons and so I always I like to spread spread the joy of music. And I can only do it with bassoon because I don't play another instrument, but but um, it's very it's good for my soul. I felt I feel very fulfilled. Maybe other people will like to have a big job and other things. But I don't, I, I guess I'm very happy with what I have.
1: Can we hear a bit about the, um, well, and I think San Diego Symphony is a big job. Totally, but, uh... <laughs> a thousand percent. <laughs> But can we hear about you as a reed maker? Um, what is What are reed habits for a professional, a professional who has to maintain two different instruments? Uh, yeah, what reed advice do you have for us?
2: Well, um, my reeds are very unusual um, because since I started in Russia, um, it's been very hard to adjust um, smaller reads in in the United States mm-hmm. uh, but um, so I don't I teach my students um, an amalgamation of styles including the Hersberg and my own teacher which uh, my, my, Hugh, Hugh Cooper Jennifer, um, and some of the William William Winstead you know and William Dietz. Mm-hmm. Um, like like something of the three, some little things. What I like about um, Hersper reads is that they are very consistent. You know, like the method is very consistent. And I feel like kids need a structure uh, when I teach reads. Uh, for me, I have to constantly be making reads. And people say, oh, I have this country read for three years. and But my country reads don't last probably the most two weeks because we play three programs a week so we have to be constantly playing i and the same thing with the bassoon and maybe the saliva or something but i have to be making read I, I just like a point in the read that it feels like new and that it vibrates and i know when i have crossed that point in the read and um I don't throw it away because sometimes I practice for a read with a reader until it's dead, you know, like if I have to you know, just practice some fingerings or something. So I give opportunity, all the reads deserve love. <laughs> so I make a read and even if I read is not great, then I, I separate them into practicing reads and second person reads. Mm-hmm. Um, I have specific reads um, that I, I have. I save for like also spraxia aratustra which is the equivalent of the right of spring for a bassoonist Mm -hmm. but for contra you have to start with that note that so this read that I have is like you look at it and it already vibrating you, (laughs) you know it's like so so I have it I I only use it for that so so I have reads like that I have reads for very high if I'm gonna play something very high in the contra, which there are very high things like Adam's Symphony Number no. One, Chamber of Symphony, it gets to a high E flat in the contra, so you need like a read that plays that. So sometimes I make reads and I save reads that, but I have to be constantly making reads and adjusting. And of course, I I have to be in a third bassoon, yeah, I, and I play low all the time. In Wagner, always very low, or or in the operas, um, I need very responsive reads, and that has been a learning experience because playing principal, yes, I we play low, but not that much. But and sometimes you can make work a read work, but yeah, try. But for third bassoon, there is no. You have to have a a low read and. Mm-hmm. I don't know. People, I'm sure, I mean, not, I'm sure, like, I know there are people that can play one read up and down, and I have to make reads for what I am playing, you know. I wouldn't play Pagliacci with the same read that I play Rite of Spring. Mm-hmm. And this is so, uh, another thing about auditions uh, for contra and for bassoon. You have to be that proficient because one day I opened the folder in my, of you know, the symphony, and I had Rite of Spring and I thought they were mistaken um, because I'm the third bassoon and contra. So I'm like walking to the library and then they are like, no, they are playing opera and you have to play Rite of Spring. So even though I'm a third bassoon, I had to play high, very high. And so you and at least four concerts a year, I have to play principal because the orchestra splits and the first bassoon and the second bassoon play in one orchestra and play for educational concerts. Mm-hmm. So you have to be, you have to keep your chops and you have to be proficient in bassoon. So, you know, that's that's very important. Would you share with
0: us a favorite memory of a past performance?
2: Well, my favorite memory is, um, I was the last guest for the Bassoon Reed in the University of Arizona with William Dietz and before he, he announced his retirement. Mm-hmm. So, and we got to play the Van Hal concerto and for me, it just completely de- completed the full circle of starting with him and now being a professional and playing with him again. And it just was very happy day um so this is one of my happiest days. And just working with him as a in a professional level and preparing, that was fantastic.
1: What advice do you have for a young musician who aspires to have a career like yours?
2: Okay, so start practicing now. <laughs> start practicing, put the work, it's totally worth it. Um I always was like I asked one time. Uh, To David McGill, um, if he knew anybody who had practiced a lot and put a a lot of effort and didn't make it. And he said he didn't know anybody who did the work and didn't make it. So so just put the work and also be flexible, be open in your mind about um, because Basically, when you play in an orchestra or chamber music, uh, you have to be a team player, a compromising, you have to compromise intonation, articulate, you have to, so be, keep, keep up an open mind and um, dream high, but be realistic, you know, dream high, don't lose yourself in dreaming, do the work, be, dream high while you practice and, uh, and, and, never and always seize any opportunity that you that presents and even if you think that that might be too big for you you never know um i i i say this because i had an opportunity to audition for curtis when i was in costa rica and i was like ah they will never take that you know but you never know you know you never know then you see other people and you're like, what, he went to Curtis. I mean, I'm I'm just making a joke, but you know what, you know what I mean? Like you see people and you're like, what? That person got that job. Well, it's because first of all, you were not there to take the audition, you know? Mm -hmm. So always, always, always go and give it a try, you know, and keep your mind open. About styles, and I always consider myself this, like Bruce Lee, the style of no style. Oh yeah. Okay. So so I just I just grab during all my schooling and all my life, even now, even now, I just grab things that I am interested in from other people all the time, all the time, even from oboists. I have I I just talked to a piccolo player and a bass trombone player about breathing, you know, because for contra you need a lot of air. So I just took him for a coffee and to talk about breathing and the piccolo player about practicing um, the auxiliary instruments. Hmm. Um, she she and and because you know contrabassoon is so gnarly when you play that you can injure yourself. Hmm. So. Um, always be very open, um, play for a lot of people, you know, um, do what your teachers say and study with as many teachers as you can until your head explodes and then form your own style. And that's the style of no style, the style of your own style. Layla, thank you so much. This was such an inspiring
0: conversation and now all I want to do is go practice. Me too.
1: (laughs) Oh, happy October.
0: Get Is that a good spooky voice?
1: (laughs) Send in your entries to the read making contest.
0: The first Uh one was like a little gremlin.
1: (laughs) <laughs> Follow on social media, do the remaking contest. They'll use on the next episode.
0: <laughs> we had the joy of speaking with oboist Ruth Ballester, who shares her amazing journey with us. Jackie, let's end this scary nerd parade.
1: Oh, make Woo!
0: <laughs>